We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. At the same time, pointing out that you have this strength that I have observed, that others have observed, that a parent has commented on, that a student has told me about, that I've observed when I was doing a classroom observation, and giving them a sense of you might be so worried about whatever the issue is that you're not seeing the wonderful, great, amazing things that you are capable of and that you do every day. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Price completed her doctorate in school psychology at William James College in August of 2015, following a year-long clinical internship at Walden Behavioral Care, a residential eating disorders clinic. For the past 20 years, Dr. Price has worked as a school psychologist at Whitman Hanson Regional High School in Whitman, Mass. In her role, Dr. Price is involved in a number of activities, including assessment, counseling, consultation, supervision of school psychology interns, and mentoring of staff. She is also a crisis team and student teacher assistance team member. She travels around the country presenting to associations and school districts on positive psychology, eating disorders, and self-injurious behaviors. Dr. Price has been involved in leadership at both the state and national level and is currently the NASP president of 2020 to 2021. You know, this podcast is about ways to support, engage, and empower teachers, which by her biography, you can see Dr. Wendy Price has a lot of experience doing this at all levels. I have to say for transparency reasons, she works here. She's a colleague of which I'm super happy about. And as soon as you hear her talking about her positive psychology and how she does these things, I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this. It's going to be a great show. So welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you very much. I'm very, very happy to be here. 
whenever you said yes, when I asked you and you said yes, I, I might have done a little dance and a fist pump. So that, <laughs> that that's a good thing. Well, I, I was honored that you thought of me. So I'm just I'm very pleased to be here. Let's start easy and uh, just to ask you. So why do you do what you do? I guess there's a couple of reasons why I do what I do. First of all, I really believe as a school psychologist that part of what we do in education is giving voice to children that that don't have voices. So it's being able to amplify the needs of a child in their family. I think that's really important. Another reason why I do what I do, I think that you get back a lot more than you give. And, and being a psychologist can be a very demanding job. You know, emotionally, you, you get very invested in, in your students and their, their families and their situations. And what you get back uh, is tenfold to what you feel that you put out. And I, I like to think that I put more than 100% into everything that I do. So it's incredibly rewarding for me to see not only that a child has been successful or has become resilient or learned coping skills or has overcome whatever uh, was plaguing them. It's wonderful to see that whatever small effort you had in that, you're able to, to say, I know that I helped in some way. That's awesome. That, I mean, what a, what a selfless explanation of why you're doing what you're doing. And like I said before, and I can attest to the idea that you leave 100, um, 100% in the rearview mirror just about every day that you're here. I do have to ask you, it gave, gave rise to the question, though, the powerful thing that you said of giving voice to those who don't have a voice. And I think about, because I care about the same thing as far as students and seeing the students succeed and what that does for me as a leader, but also being a teacher-centered principal, I think about ways that leaders can do that for teachers because I see teachers that don't have a voice or that choose not to exercise their voice. Do you have any kind of examples or do you have any strategies that you maybe specifically use that a leader could use with teachers instead of students? For giving them a voice or the confidence, you mean? Yeah, for helping them find that voice or being that little bit of voice for them until they they find the confidence to have their own voice. What I have always found is that people possess strengths that they may not be aware of for whatever reason, whether it's anxiety or perhaps low self-esteem or just lack of self-confidence. A lot of people don't view themselves as others see them. And that's very true with students that, you know, part of the positive psychology that I, I try and use with my students is for them to be able to know that they have a strength and that they can exercise that strength. So with teachers, it's the same thing. They may not have enough faith or confidence in the approach that they're taking with a student or in a, you know, a, a specific skill. And nine times out of 10, that's just not true. They, they do have that skill. And so the number one thing that I do as a leader is really look for what is that person's strength and to then exploit that in a way that is going to maximize outcomes. So if I am looking at a teacher who 
you know, is relatively new to the the job and maybe just feels like I, I imposter syndrome. I don't know why they hired me because I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> the one thing that I really try and do is validate that it's normal for people to feel like you've been thrown into the deep end and that you're overwhelmed. And, and those are all normal, albeit uncomfortable feelings. Students have them, teachers have them, parents have them, friends have them, administrators have them. So validating that what they are feeling is very true to them. At the same time, pointing out that you have this strength that I have observed, that others have observed, that a parent has commented on, that a student has told me about, that I've observed when I was doing a classroom observation, and giving them a sense of, you might be so worried about whatever the issue is, that you're not seeing the wonderful, great, amazing things that you are capable of and that you do every day. So maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit. And and that is not you know, what people refer to as toxic positivity. It's not forgetting about the struggle. It's not forgetting about the fact that there may be a skill deficit. There's, you're not forgetting about the fact that whatever this person is feeling in front of you, they need some sort of mentorship or guidance or leadership. It's, it's recognizing that and validating it and then giving them something where they're able to make some movement and propel forward in terms of resolving whatever it is that's troubling them. It's almost like it reminds me of the whole baby step philosophy or the small wins. If you can get them to make small wins in areas they're strong in and then greater wins, then they'll build the positivity to try things that maybe they're not that confident in. And one of the things that I, I encourage the students that I counsel throughout the year is we keep a running list of those pluses or those small wins. And I encourage teachers to do that as well, that when when they've hit a home run, make note of it. Keep a folder that says good notes or excellent work. And anytime they get a thank you from a parent or a student gives them a card or they get an excellent walkthrough evaluation, stuff it in your little excellent news folder. Because honestly, when you're feeling overwhelmed by negative emotions, that's what sticks to you. You know, it's kind of like negative emotions are Velcro and positive are Teflon. So people, even though they may have had a wonderful year as a teacher, they're holding on to that one time in October that it didn't work. And so I encourage students and teachers to, to keep a running list of their wins or their pluses and review that, you know, periodically when they need to, but especially at the end of the year. Because it is amazing how much people forget that they have accomplished because they're too busy looking to the next thing that they have to do. So really, as a leader, encouraging people to kind of, you know, not rest on their laurels, but certainly bask in the glory of some of their wins. You know, I, if if people could only see me, I have a big smile on my face because <laughs> if you were to if you were to open my lower left hand desk drawer. The first file folder, and it's out of alphabetical order, is titled wins. Yep. And (laughs) I am here to tell anybody listening to this that what you're saying is 100% true. If I get a good card, if I get a positive email or anything like that, I just, first I read it and I, I accept it. I'm not good at taking compliments, but 
I accept it. And then it goes in my folder. I print it out and it goes in the folder. Mm -hmm. Boy, I'll tell you, there have been plenty of times where I just sit back, pull that drawer open and just read through them. And it could be from a month ago. It could be from a year ago. Yes. If I go back far enough and read some of those words of the difference that I made in somebody's life. And that, that's, that has such an impact. So that's definitely a strategy I would encourage everybody to, everybody to, to use. Yes. You're talking about positives, wins, and successes and things like that. What would you consider to be your greatest success? Uh, professionally, personally, what do you mean? Either one. <clears throat> Can be professionally if you want. We'll start there. And Okay. If I'm just thinking selfishly about myself, my biggest win is feeling completely confident in my abilities. And it, it's taken years to get there. And I'm not saying that I, I think I do everything right or that I've reached the pinnacle of knowledge. I'm a lifelong learner and I, I continue to want to broaden my understanding and deepen my understanding of uh, topics that are related to mental health and to my job as a psychologist. So personally, it took a while to be able to say, you know what, I kind of feel like I'm really got a handle on this. You know, the first couple of years as a psychologist were plagued with doubt. And then gradually, I've just gotten better at realizing that, you know, I might have a skill when it comes to the job. In terms of my biggest accomplishment as a psychologist, I'd have to say, looking at students growing over the four years that I might interact with them and feeling like I, I made a difference, but never really seeing in the moment that, that I had that great an impact. And the greatest accomplishment is when a student comes back and visits me when they're in their 20s, 30s even, and will come back and say, you know what, you were 100% right about high school is not life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're, they're able to kind of say to me some of the things that I had, I had tried to tell them when they were 16 and they just, they weren't ready to absorb it yet. Right. So I think, you know, I, I like to look at that as an accomplishment in and of itself that even if a student is sitting in front of me and, you know, poo-pooing whatever I'm saying, like, listen, lady, you don't know what you're talking about. I know that at some point it may sink in and I may not be there when that uh, information sinks in and they recognize that maybe everybody in high school kind of knew what they were talking about, the adults. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, and I, I cannot let that answer go without asking a question because <laughs> you've mentioned it once and it's something that plays such a big role in every teacher's, leader's life or career. And that's imposter syndrome. That yeah. that nasty voice that sits on your shoulder saying, what do you know? Are you sure? And you said as your biggest success or win is that you're confident in your abilities. Yes, time, because you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. But how did you get there? How did you, and, and especially like really in your field, one of the, one of the real interesting things about having you on this show and, and talking to you about your profession is your field is one of those I don't want to say gray fields, but it's kind of gray, just like the principalship is kind of gray. You're trying to help people through situations, maybe without all the information. There are some variables that you don't know about, and you're you're making important decisions for them. Mm -hmm. So how do you get to that place where you're confident that you're making the right call, so to speak? 
Well, fortunately for me, the first few years that I was at Whitman Hanson, I had a wonderful mentor and slash supervisor, Dr. Bruce Bruston, who was a psychologist. And I was able to go to Bruce with any sort of question or if I just wanted to double check and kind of float a theory out there in front of him. And he was always very patient and kind with me. And, you know, most of the time I was kind of along the right path, but I just needed that little nudge of confidence. Like, yeah, go. No, this is exactly what you should be doing. So I think that mentorship plays a huge role, especially for teachers, the the first, second year teachers. It can feel completely overwhelming, even though you know your curriculum area, you know, backwards, forwards, upside down. But it's the little things about classroom management or navigating, you know, the politics of a department. It's kind of these softer skills that make it very challenging for for new staff. And so having a mentor, and I know that we, you know, we have a wonderful mentorship program at Whitman Hanson, both for students and for teachers. I think that really made me feel like I could then uh, broaden my my scope a little bit in terms of what I wanted to do within my job because I had the confidence in certain parts of it that that were just built up over time. And and Truthfully, the professional development that you go through is is essential in kind of honing your skill, but also keeping you up to date on things. And that's a confidence booster. And I'd say probably the third thing is when I became ready, I started supervising graduate student level interns and practicum students. And that not only gave me the confidence of being a good leader to share my knowledge and experience with them, but it was twofold because they were giving me a a huge window into the current things that a graduate student was learning or going through. So it was very much a bi-directional relationship. And you know, I think definitely I got more out of it than I gave, even though I feel like I really, you know, did the supervision well. I learned just so much, even about my leadership style. So the the confidence comes over time, but you really have to put yourself out there to want to get better at what you do. It doesn't just happen. You have to do the professional development, participate in mentorship. And then you have to stretch yourself a little bit and be vulnerable. And that means taking in an intern and having them watch you perform your job on a bad day <laughs> and, and, and explaining that this is, this is life. This is how it is. Right. That, you know, what you said means so much to me because I've, I'm a firm believer in mentor programs if they're done properly. And it's not just going through the motions, but the idea that, we talk about teachers needing mentors and all your support personnel, so all your psychologists, your adjustment counselors need mentors. And there's just a whisper of leading leaders needing mentors. And I think it's so important for leaders, if they don't have a mentor, to actively seek one out, to aggressively yeah. seek out a mentor. And then, you know, obviously the idea of staying current in your practice, you, you have to want to do that. 
But then what you brought up is the supervision part. And I'll, I'll never forget a conversation I had with a teacher. I'll never forget two things. Um, one was a conversation I had with a teacher that took on a student teacher. And we were talking about it and reflecting on it. And they said, you know, the student teacher sitting there watching me. I'm working with them before I hand my class over. And suddenly I'm thinking to myself, why do I do it that way? And <laughs> they began to reflect on why they actually did things. Instead of, because we all get to a point sometimes where, yeah, that day, that week, hopefully not that month, we go through the motions um, because it's, it's routine and we're comfortable. But when you really have to stop and think about what you do during the course of the day or why you do it, mm-hmm. it becomes incredibly powerful. And that leads me to the second thing that I think of all the time is I had a leader come to me not too long ago and say, well, yeah, you know, I consider you my mentor. And I was like, what? what? (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then it made me just them saying that I've noticed our interactions are different Mm -hmm. and not on their part, on my part, because now I'm, I don't know if, if cautious is the word, but I'm definitely more purposeful on what I'm saying, what I'm doing and paying attention to that where I didn't before. Yes. And I think there there is an intentionality that comes with the responsibility of supervision that when I have a, a graduate level school psychologist intern in front of me, I know they're spending a lot of money on tuition because they're going above and beyond their, their bachelor level to get their master's and then their specialist degree. So they've they've made quite an investment financially emotionally, physically, you know, sometimes the the interns relocate to get a better internship experience. So I I try and remember that what I bring to the table is something that they are looking for. And even if that means that I'm having a day, you know, to, to end all days, I don't let that go by without commenting and really unpacking what that means. Because truthfully, when you're preparing somebody to enter either, you know, as a school psychologist or as a teacher, you really want them to have a a wide-eyed look at what they're going to be doing. Because it's it's not the easiest of jobs. Anything in education is not easy. And you ha- it really is a calling. And you have to really want to be there. And I try never to lose sight of that. That even if I'm having a bad day, that's information that my supervisee needs to know. And this is how I handled it. Or this is what I put it down to. Because all information is good information. So I really try and be very intentional about what I say and do as a supervisor to give the best experience and knowledge base to the person that I'm talking to. Awesome. Now, so you just gave a lot of points about confidence, learning, teaching, all of that. I I do want to dig into that a little more, but the first thing I want to do is take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be back to cover all that. Perfect. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. 
You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Dr. Wendy Price, and um, we left the conversation off talking about things that a leader can do to really improve. And it was the idea of seeking out mentors that they could learn from and then continually learning through PD and things like that. And then fighting off the imposter syndrome and the vulnerability aspect of mentoring somebody else or leading somebody else and showing them the ropes. So say I've done all that. I'm a leader. Mm -hmm. I've done all that or I continue to do all that. And I'm in a situation where now I, I want to look to further support, engage, or empower all my teachers on staff. How is it I get that done? That's kind of a loaded question. There's, I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of things that you can do. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> As I'd said, I think one of the first things is validation. But even before that, if I'm thinking about it, no matter what stage you're at in your career, If you're a leader, chances are you've been doing this for a while. And with that fact comes the possibility of kind of forgetting what it's like to be new. And you've been doing this so long, you forget what it's like to be a first-year teacher and have an administrator come into your classroom, how nerve-wracking that is. So one of the things that I would encourage leaders to do is before they interact with, especially I, I keep saying newer teachers because those, those are the, the type of people that I interact with the most, I think, really trying to put yourself in their shoes and having some empathy for even if they're knocking it out of the park, which, you know, so many teachers do. I mean, that's why they're a teacher because they're awesome at what they do and they're, they're able to really connect with kids. But just remembering that kindness goes a long way, empathy goes a long way. Even if you have to deliver some pretty tough news, a critique of of what they've done, or um, you heard from a parent and now you have to follow up with the teacher and you're not really sure, you know, whose story uh, (laughs) is, maybe the truth is somewhere in between the two. I think really putting the the human spin on it that that emotional stuff emotional intelligence of understanding that this is a stressful situation and you know the person might be thinking all kinds of things like am i going to lose my job because this parent said that i'm a terrible teacher and really being demonstrating and having the ability to put yourself into their shoes because as as an administrator it's very easy just to keep you know, doing what you're doing and, you know, tick that box. Okay. We did all those evals. Everything's great, but really trying to put yourself into somebody else's shoes and then to validate, man, that class was tough. Boy, there were, there, I don't know how you did it, but your classroom management skills, I'll tell you, that was a really tough class. I really liked how you, and then, you know, pointing out, it's kind of, 
you know, leadership one-on-one, if you will, but it, it makes a difference to have that personal, intentional human connection as a leader, because the person that you are observing or interacting with or, you know, evaluating, they feel like they're at a deficit because they don't know what you're looking for or what you're looking at. So they're second guessing, maybe. I mean, I only see the teachers that, you know, feel that they are in need of something more, if you will. So, you know, I'm just going with that frame of reference, but I really feel like there's, there's a lot of times that even if teachers are doing it great, they still need somebody to say, you're doing it great. Even if it's, uh, you know, it's so obvious that they are teacher of the year and they are fantastic, it still helps to point that out. Even though it's very easy to say, I know you heard this all the time. Well, that may be true, but they don't hear it all the time from you. So it's important that you, as a leader, put words to your observations and kind of manifest that feeling of, I saw what you did there. And that was pretty good, you know? That's fantastic advice, you know, because sometimes as leaders, there's the busyness factor. And while that's an incredibly easy, low-hanging fruit, whatever you want to call it, excuse, to not make sure that that empathy comes in and plays a role because it's decision, 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 move on. Exactly. That is so important to just make sure as leaders that we stop and pause mm-hmm. um, to make sure that we're we're present enough to realize what that person needs in that moment in time. So that's... The other thing that I'm, just as we're talking, that mm-hmm. I'm thinking it bears kind of mentioning is I say this to students all the time, that you... You honestly, as a human being, you you truly do not know what is going on in somebody else's life at any given point in time. You just don't. And if you are interacting with someone and, you know, it was a terrible interaction or you just feel that whatever the presenting condition was, was just validated, you know, yes, they're always short with their comments with people. And then you do a little bit of digging and you realize that, you know, perhaps the person lost their parent two years ago and the anniversary is coming up and it's stirring up all kinds of emotions. It could be that, you know, the, the teacher is going through the third round of in vitro and nothing's happening and there's that pressure. It could be there's a divorce. It could be a child is leaving to go to college and they're very sad. It could be any number of things that you would not be privy to that may be impacting their ability to kind of access their authentic self in any given time. So part of that human experience is recognizing that you may not have the full picture. You may not know that their department chair just chewed them out (laughs) about something two minutes before you walked in. And so they were all discombobulated and they were off. So I think it bears recognizing, again, remembering what it's like to be somebody where there's a power differential and your boss walks in the room or you're talking to your boss, recognizing that. And then also recognizing that we can't possibly know that what you see is what you get 100% of the time. There has to be a little bit of leeway with that. Yeah. And that, I mean, that blows up to all kinds of groups and everything and any, even decisions that we make. I, one of my favorite questions that I like to end meetings with is what did I miss? Especially with like our crisis team, 
because there are so many different perspectives to think about. In my humble opinion, there's no way a person can go into any interaction with somebody and know without a doubt the exact answer or exactly what's going on or have their perception of what's going on in their life and how they're reacting to you at the forefront of your mind. So it's always just really important to remember that you're going to have to take that step back and wait to see what you get from them with more of an open mind. And and by the same token, recognizing that you're bringing a certain level of energy. So you could have just been chewed up by your boss and you're walking (laughs) in to observe a teacher and you are just nitpicking everything because you're mad. Not that that's a professional thing. I'm sure people, you know. No, never, never. Would never do that. (laughs) No. But I think, you know, recognizing that everybody is bringing a history to the stage. Everybody is bringing their experiences and their personality traits. So just recognizing that there, there's a lot of different ways of look, as you say, a lot of different ways of looking at things. And it's important just to keep that in mind. So you're getting to the end of the show, mm-hmm. but I have two questions. I, I love asking everybody that, that comes on the show. Mm-hmm. The first one is kind of more about you and um, we see what comes out of there. And the other one is more about the audience. So you first, if you were not a leader, because you're the president of the NASP, you're, you're a school psychologist, who, not what, would you be and why? I suppose that I would, I would just be in the helping field somehow. I would be a person that wants to make a difference. I'd be a person that wants to use my time and whatever talent I might have to the best of my ability. And I would want to have whatever situation I was involved in be better for my participation in it somehow. So even if, you know, I wasn't working and I was just being a a friend or a colleague, I would hope that I would be beneficial in some way to somebody. (laughs) It's fair enough. I don't know if that's the answer because that's a hard one to say, who would you be as opposed to what would you be? Right. And, you know, quite often the who you would be automatically leads into what you would be. Yes. Yeah. And the idea of, I mean, what you do for a living Mm -hmm. and then all the things on top of that with all the lives you're touching as far as students, but other psychologists to spread your reach even further. I mean, is it anybody's wonder why you said you would be the person that's always helping Mm -hmm. or there for people when they need? So that's... It's definitely, from the time that I was a little kid, I had always wanted to be the listener, to be the friend, to be, you know, the advice giver. That was, I was always the mother hen. And as I've gotten older, that's held true for me in my career, like in my job. I'm kind of the mother hen of all the school psychologists. In my friend group, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the one that gets everybody together and, and, you know, we do an event. I just, I feel that that's always kind of just been my role. And I don't know if I, if I wasn't president of the National Association of School Psychologists, I, I'm sure I would have found a way to be a leader in another way. The next one's about the audience. So we're going to wrap it all up. What's the the most important piece of advice or takeaway, if you would, you would give to teachers, but more specifically leaders 
as they work to support, engage, and empower their teachers? I think, you know, everything, obviously, that we've just talked about with, you know, validating, remembering, bringing a a sense of newness to whatever situation that you are involved in. But also, as, as a leader, I guess, the one thing that I would say is to be open. Sometimes we have very set ideas about the way that things should look or should be or how people should behave or what they should be getting out of their their students. And being open to new ways of doing things. And I think going back to being a supervisor of interns, that's something that I really, really enjoy is learning from people that have a brand new energy to it. You know, they, they're, they, they're not 20 years in where they're looking towards retirement. They're, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they're energetic and they're excited. So be open to that excitement because it, it, it can be contagious and you, you don't want to blow out that flame. You really, you want to encourage that. Because as we all know, you know, those of us that have been doing this for a while, it's very, very easy to slip into mediocrity and like you said, phoning it in and cynicism. And, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been guilty of it myself. You know, the, the, every single year I have to really give myself a pep talk. Like, okay, this is going to be a great year going for number <laughs> 25, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes it is fake it till you make it. But knowing, you know, that if you're encouraging teachers, even if they have to fake it till they make it, they will make it because they need your encouragement and your kind of cheerleading behind them. So being being open to all of those things. Awesome. Well, you made it. And um, my promise at the beginning that this was going to be great with a lot of information, <laughs> uh, I Definitely, or should I say you definitely delivered on that. Um, so seriously, thanks for everything you've said. You've, I think you've added a lot, and I think leaders are going to get a lot of value out of this. Thank you very much. One last thing, mm-hmm. because I, I'm certain with all the information you gave, some people might want to. What's the best way to get in touch with you if somebody wants to reach out? So I would say my, my personal email is probably better, and that's pricewendyl at gmail.com. That's the email that I'm using currently as I take my year's leave to be president of NASP. So that's the one that I checked the most this year. So I would say that that's probably the best way to reach me. Okay, perfect. And I don't know if that was planned, but as you said, president of NASP, we could hear all the sirens in the background. So they're they're like showing up with confetti cannons at your house and stuff. Or they're going to take me away. Either one. All right. Well, seriously, I I really do appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, it's always great talking to you. Oh, you too. Thanks so much. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with 
with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.